We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into another edition of the Lock It Up with Kurtz podcast. Here is a part of KCSN. I am John Kurtz, joined by former K-State wide receiver Aaron Lockett. We are not live in Manhattan this time. We are back <laughs> in our typical spot uh, as we get you ready for K-State in Kansas and recap the K-State TCU game, which fortunately we are talking about another Wildcat victory. The Cats are now 5-3. and three. They won this game really going away 31-12. to It was 31-5 to before a garbage-time touchdown that TCU scored late. So there is plenty of reason to celebrate right now, and uh, that means you should be pouring up the 360 vodka to do so and make sure that you get it in before you head to Lawrence on Saturday if you're going there, like I likely will be for the uh, 11 a.m. kickoff this Saturday. Definitely want to do that. Appreciate all their support with everything that we did in Manhattan this past weekend if you were there. I'm sure you got a chance to try out some of the 360 vodka. It is awesome, and they can do whatever it is that you want with it. Cocktail creations are endless. Craft cocktails, batch drinks, infusions. Your drink of choice is covered, man, with 360 vodka and holiday distillery. These guys have been awesome in helping us at KCSN. But, Aaron, man, really fun game. Uh, probably the most fun watch of the year for K-State. Maybe Stanford rivals that. But, I mean, K-State came out and controlled the game, basically, from start to finish against TCU. Gary Patterson with a pretty pitiful performance got himself fired essentially after the game. But I mean, you do have to give a lot of credit to K-State and what the Wildcats did as well, seemingly playing with a lot more confidence after the win over Texas Tech. No, I agree. I thought K-State came out and handled business the way that we were expecting. But, you know, my time in Manhattan was great. I don't know if you can see here. Got me a brand new shirt. I'm ready to roll. I put down my next page shirt just for this K-State, this K-State shirt today, just because I thought they played exceptional. Uh, we've been talking about putting it all together. We've been talking about Skyler delivering. Here comes Vaughn, uh, Deuce doing what he normally does. And then you've got uh, Manor Bay Bay catching the ball down the middle. Like, it was just a fun time. It felt like old school K-State football, right? You got ahead. Penalties weren't just as bad. And then we had somebody be superb, as we always talked about, on defense. And so excited to talk about that here today. But uh, another win, another coach fired. You know, interesting tr- trend, you know, moving on in the Big 12. Yeah, and I mean, look, there there were a lot of things I thought Gary Patterson did very poorly in the way that he coached and kind of managed the game, but I, I don't think any of it ultimately affected the outcome of the game. K-State right. was a better team. I mean, Gary Patterson and TC, they just seem kind of lost right now. But, I mean, frankly, 
we're, we're starting to get an answer to the question of like, was it more the schedule for K-State to start Big 12 play with the three teams that they did in Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Iowa State versus is it that K-State is a bad team? And I think what you're seeing is more of like a regression to the mean, which is a positive thing for K-State in this case, and that right. they did play three really tough games to start the Big 12 schedule. They have been a little less mistake prone, at least against TCU, or probably a little bit less sloppy clean some things up, and that certainly has helped. They've made some big plays. That certainly has helped. And I think it's just a combination of everything. And I think ultimately at the end of the day, I will still continue to say, like, I thought this team was like a 7-5-ish and five-ish kind of a team going into the season, and most of what we've seen this year has not really pushed me one way or the other on that, which includes winning games like this against teams in Texas Tech and TCU that are certainly beatable and on K-State's level, if not a little bit lower. You know, I don't I don't know if his injuries are starting to get better now. I mean, you look at some of the play that's taking place. Um, you know, you, you look at you look at uh, you know, Reggie coming off the off the blitzes now, you know, it doesn't seem like his hand is bothering him as much. Julius Brent doesn't seem to have the hand injury as much, able to kind of jam a little bit. And so seems like we're getting comfortable in our own skin, right? People are getting a little bit more we still have this rotation thing going on that just baffles me. Right. Every time I turn around, I'm looking for Julius Brent and I see uh, Dennison in there, which is which is fine. It's just a matter of, wow, it, it, as they as they transition that much. But it's working for them. Right. They're getting fresh bodies out there. People are getting lined up, making plays. Um, I'm starting to see some confidence. I'm starting to see some some players separate themselves from others. And so it'll be exciting to see what these next couple of games look like. But totally satisfied with the way they play TCU from the beginning to the end. Yeah, I mean, I think big picture, the team is still tracking at about where I thought they would be at this point, five and three through eight games. You'll definitely take it. They played a pretty tough schedule when you combine the non-conference in there as well. Now as to why it's turned around, why it is getting better, I mean, I mentioned, hey, they were a little less sloppy against TCU. That certainly wasn't the case against Texas Tech. They were still very sloppy but got the win. I think the biggest difference and ultimately what has gotten it done the last few weeks has been defense, and that, that was not there obviously in the first three Big 12 games. The defense had all sorts of problems. Now we've seen six straight quarters of pretty good football out of the defense. I mean, I mentioned they had TCU held to five points there before a garbage time touchdown. They got the big game-changing play with the safety that Anya DK Uzama forced against Texas Tech. And, man, speaking of him, he played <laughs> one of the best games that you've ever seen a K-State oh, player play where you get screwed out of the two extra sacks because there were fumbles that went forward, which is just a ridiculous rule. He's getting punished for strip sacks as opposed to actual sacks or just regular sacks. But either way, one of the most dominant individual performances we've seen. I don't know if that accounts for everything that we're seeing right now defensively, improvement-wise, but, man, across the board, that defense just looks so, so much better, uh, much more active, much more lively, and much more like the defense that we saw for the first couple of games of the season. You know, as I think about a defensive end perspective, I played with some of the greats, right? Didn't get a chance to play with Niall Wyron, but I played with um, with D. Howard. I played with Andrew Scholl. I played with Monty Beisel. I played with Chris Johnson. Um, that performance by far was one of the best. It reminded me of, of Darren Howard so much. Um, but coming around the edge, just a pursuit um, on the back inside, the, the strip, like I was impressed by – how often he was making a play. And you can see his confidence rise in every play, every series. And so um, for me, it, it was it was electric to see that on the field and be a part of that. Um, but I also think the secondary is playing better. I think I think uh, Russ Yeast is starting to find his position. Um, I think Jay Mack is starting to find his. Like I said, the corners, they do a lot of rotating in, but um, they're blitzing a lot more. And it just seems to be more variety from a defensive perspective right now. 
Yeah, and I definitely want to talk about that. And I, there was something Chris Kleiman said at his press conference today that really stuck with me as far as what, what could be helping out the secondary. But, man, as far as Felix Andy DK Uzama is concerned with the six sacks and everything that happened there, like, yeah. Aaron, from a football perspective, I just I, – I'm going to rely on your football mind here. Like, there there have to be something – like, TCU is, is the third most talented team in the Big 12. Recruiting ranking-wise, they're behind Texas and Oklahoma, and that's right. it. There are players on that roster. Gary Patterson is a good football coach. And I'm not, not to take anything away from Andy DK Uzama, who's clearly headed for a potential All-American season. But, like, you can't do something to slow him down a little bit after the third, fourth, fifth sack. I just – I was amazed that they couldn't find some way to, to double him, ship him, whatever it is. Football-wise, there has to be something schematically, I would think, you could do to take him out of the game. Well, normally you bring a running back over to chip, right? So you would chip him, um, make him hold another second and a half, and then the quarterback's got to get the ball out of his hands. Um, a lot of those sacks, like I said, he came around the back end, quarterback stepped up, and instead of running, he was still looking to throw the ball. And so it was just the hustle and effort sacks. And so those are kind of hard to say, you know what, did he block it well? He blocked it well enough. Could he get the ball out of his hands in time? Maybe not. Um, but if you look at TCU, massive tackles. Um, I don't know how close you were to the field, but I mean, I don't know how tall they were, at least six, 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 seven guys, you know, on, on the bookends. And so it's a little bit of, hey, man up, that's your guy, right? And so a little bit of pride there, along with uh, not chipping, led to the, to the uh, performance that we got a chance to witness. Yeah, well, that, that makes sense. And and especially later, a couple of those sacks, I can definitely remember. It's like Andy D.K. Uzama, like peeling off and, yep. and getting the sack later in the play. There you go. But even then, he gets hustle plays down the field where he's tackling running backs, you know, keeping 10, 15-yard gains from becoming 25, 30-yard gains. I mean, that's what you really love about him. He's as humble a guy as you could ever imagine. I mean, I watched his post-game interview sessions, and, like, he was just like, hey, man, I, I wish I got seven. I wish I had that. Like, this is okay, <laughs> but I've got 600 messages on my phone. I just want to call my mom, though. I'm not going to get back to it. Like, very, very humble. Yeah. Uh, very, very humble reaction there. And you can tell his teammates love him by the way everybody reacted on the sideline to what was going on there. And I think one thing that seems to be helping the defense out, it's something that Chris Kleiman has stressed for weeks now, is just trying to simplify the defense and not get too complicated and go back to basics. And I heard him say today at his press conference Tuesday when we're taping this, um, that it's it's as simplified, it's as close to like just the base defense as they have been over the last two weeks, and they've seen the dividends from that. And it's very interesting to me. I mean, it's year two of Joe Klanerman installing his defense, but year one was obviously through a pandemic. You probably didn't have as much time to get in as much as you want. So they probably are still like further behind than you would even typically be in year two of getting a defense installed there. But um, whatever they're doing, they should stick with it. I mean, I'm not here to say that I have a strong opinion one way or the other on like, what the balance is. I'm not a coach. I don't know how the, how you balance trying to install more of what you want to do versus making sure guys know what they're doing and playing fast. But it sure seems to be working right now, just dumbing some things down for the guys. Yeah, you know, in football terms, it's mano a mano, right? You versus him. Who can win? And so that's where you put your best players on the field and see if they can they can beat the person across from them. And if that's and if that can happen, you'll get those results. And so obviously we were winning on the on the defensive inside of the ball. Like I said. I'm starting to see more blitzes, and that's actually something that's speeding up the offense as well. Um, great coverage on the back end. Um, I didn't see them try Echo at all, right? I sat there and watched Echo. I was waiting for them to see if, you know, see if there's a dig on him or a deep route, and just um, he constantly covered his man. And so, you know, he's not getting many balls on the outside, which is a great thing, right? 
I'm waiting to see that 439 speed that we that we talked about earlier in our podcast, right? But they yeah. won't throw a ball over 20 yards as waiting. So I guess I guess they've watched it on film and they can see that. But for the most part, um playing back at, at the stadium, playing back in Manhattan, Kansas was something that I think they needed, right? They got the tough win at Texas Tech. They came back home, crowd was rocking. Um, once again, we're five and three now, right? Two weeks ago, we were three and three thinking that, oh, God, are we going to make it to a bowl game? You know, we just don't look like we're very good. But the reality of it is, is, as you mentioned, tough schedule, right? Oklahoma State, you know, you turn around, look at the OU game. You turn around, look at the Iowa State game. I mean, for the most part, those are three of the top tier teams in the Big 12. And so I think we're coming right where we need to come a little bit later than we wanted. But we're still coming as long as we finish strong. I think it should be a season that we're proud of. Yeah, I mean, one thing I love about the defense to tack on to to that discussion too is just the the red zone defense. Uh, they did not oh, have yeah. they did not have a single red zone stop uh, the entire season before what happened in that game against TCU. Which is, I mean, look, that's now that you know there have been some field goals, but not just shutting teams out. And on a couple of occasions, they got that done against TCU. Obviously, that was huge, and it was very important in the momentum of the game. You know, bigger picture there, but. I mean, hey, even the offense, um, I think the offense uh, continues to do its thing, like generally be pretty productive, even in a game where they, I mean, they lost Malik Knowles for a while. They lost Phillip Brooks for a while. They lost Tyron Howell for a while when he was over defending his quarterback um, (laughs) on the sideline with the skirmish. I mean, which, look, we can all be honest, that was was just an absurdly late hit. Uh, I mean, I guess you'd you'd call it dirty. it's like I don't know what the the point was really of that hit at that point in time. So it's it's rough that you're going to lose Tyrone Howell for the first half of the KU game because of that. But fighting through some adversity, fighting through some loss of some of the explosive playmakers like Joe Irvin, who also wasn't available for a virus, they still found a way to uh, to make plays and be productive enough. Yeah, I think offensively, um, like I said, we were able to move the chains. Had a couple of runs that just stalled in the middle, but you keep the defense honest when you do that. Um, we always seem to have this one odd interception that's starting to become a trend, though, right? It's that that one turnover where it's like, ah, you know, it's a high-thrown ball. Um, you know, last game that they, they got intercepted, and this time it was a corner route, um, you know, to the tight end that failed just a little bit short. You know, it thought it went out of bounds, but God made a great play on that. You know, so as we continue to work and, and clean those up, because um, they're, they're going to happen during the game, right? It's all about field position, right? And so I thought that we did a good job on that. Um, the return game. Subpar, right? I, you know, I think there was a couple of times we brought, it, brought, bought the, bought the ball out a little bit deep in the end zone a little bit. You know, obviously playmakers behind there, but, um, you know, you don't get many chances, right? And so um, you, you just got to be smart in some of those situations. But for the most part, continue to work on what we're doing best. But, hey, Deuce, once again, I think we say it every week, like we're riding this coattail. Like he's making play after play after play. Um, and so I love to play where they, they handed him the ball off coming off the right, right side. I think he hit the A gap and they had a blitz coming on the backside. You saw the safety just trailing him as he came right around. Um, and then Deuce used the speed out, ran him and to the end zone. And so once again, um, continue to utilize what we have and, and, and keep playing well, but we were in control of that whole game, uh, against TCU. Total control, total control. I, I have a couple of Daniel matter, baby questions here. One, one more negative, one more positive. The negative one, so you you referenced that interception, which I, I think, look, it was not a great decision by, by Skyler to throw that ball. Um, you know, I mean, if you throw it, it's probably going to be earlier. But 
I did have someone say to me like, well, you know, couldn't have matter, baby, have helped him out, like tried to fight a little bit more for the ball. So I'm curious as a, as a receiver, your opinion there on that, if, if it's totally on the quarterback or if there should be a, a little bit more fighting going on on the part of the, the receiver or the ball catcher in that, in that case. Yeah. I mean, ideally you would want him to fight a little bit more, but you got to think about your personnel, right? At the size that he is, um, running a corner route, looking for the ball over the top, over the left-hand shoulder, look, and, and it was thrown to where it's almost like we would call that if it's if it's sitting there and you want to flatten it out like an out route, um, his turn direction is probably not as quick as a receiver's. And so to expect him to turn and to be able to cut underneath the safety and knock it down was probably a little bit hard for him to change direction that quickly. And so just a combination of knowing personnel and being a flat throw um, where it didn't get over the top out of bounds, but it actually flattened him out a little bit. Um, and then the defense, obviously, like you said, you know, if you talk about, you know, talent wise, um, athletic ability wise, I mean, they've, they've got studs back there at TCU. And so it was just a great play. Even last year, they had the uh, Jim Thorpe winner. And so they can recruit talent back there. Um, and so I think it was just a combination of all of that led to an interception. Like I said, and it was still a bang, bang play as far as getting the ball and getting his feet down. But um, great play by the defense on that end of it. Yeah, well, the positive is, I mean, Amanda Bebe made another just massive oh, catch. God. I love that play. <laughs> God, I mean, you just Amanda Bebe in the open field, he is fun to watch. I mean, you can oh, see yeah. that he was a really highly rated prospect who spent time at Florida and USC before he came here, uh, Illinois, obviously, as well. But, like, wow, uh, the, he has nine catches this year. He's averaging 30 yards a catch. I guess my question is, like, how, you know, understanding that he also has been pretty limited because of injuries, which has kind of been the story of his career. Uh, how, how can you work to get him the ball more, or just get him more involved in the offense? Because it seems like, I mean, that is, that is a piece that is extremely explosive that you do have sitting there that hasn't probably been utilized as much as he could have been. You know, he's made some great plays this year, right? He's, he's made a, you know, starting off with the Stanford game, you know, he put one or two on the ground, but he came around after that made a dive and catch in that game. Made a fourth down catch uh, later on in the season across the middle on a dig route. He's caught two big balls going down, um, down the seam against Nevada now against TCU. And so the talent is there. You know, like you said, injuries is something that's hard to control and it becomes some storylines for some players. And so the goal is to get them as healthy as possible and keep them out there. Um, but averaging 30 yards a catch is something that's not sustainable if you continue to throw the ball to him. So feed him. Feed him as much as get that average down, which means he's getting more catches. Right. Um, but for the most part, he's got big playability. Just got to continue to stay on the field and be present. Um, but the talent is there. Just a, a quick little update. Another thing I heard at the press conference today, as far as the offense goes, it does sound like Malik Knowles and uh, Phillip Brooks, if they weren't going to practice today, would hopefully practice tomorrow. And so it seems like they're optimistic that they'll be available and Joe Irvin um, he's going to be back. It was just a kind of an illness, a virus is what they said that kept him out of the game on Saturday against TCU. So that is good news continuing along this theme of like making sure that you are still explosive as you go into this game with Kansas. And, uh, look, it's a game that is going to, I mean, one, everybody, I think understandably chalks it up already as a win. Um, you can't do that if you're Chris Kleiman and the players, but yeah, it, yeah. It, bigger picture, Gets you bowl eligible, keeps the momentum flowing. Then you're on a three-game winning streak all of a sudden when you go into a game against West Virginia, which is a team that has caused you a lot of problems in the Chris Kleiman era and beyond. Uh, K-State has not fared well against West Virginia in the last five years. So that's obviously very important. You can start building on and looking forward to, hey, if we get this win against Kansas, like can we be an eight, nine win team this year? Like that, yeah. that opportunity still exists out there for you. But in terms of like the actual game, I, I think – 
on a smaller scale, like what you want to do is do the same thing that you did to Les Miles when he came in talking a big game the first year. Um, you went out there and smacked him and beat him 38 to 10 in a game in which Kansas was supposed to be more competitive, right? They Les Miles did the who is K-State thing. They had pushed <laughs> in Texas Tech right beforehand, and it was like, okay, this is going to be a game until it wasn't. Yeah. Um, Lance Leipold's a first-year head coach at Kansas. Like that, that to me is the significance here. Win the game, but win it handily because you want to continue to assert your dominance in the state and just let them know, like, this is not going to change just because you may be a little more competent than Les Miles, which is not very hard. Uh, this this is not going to change. You know, yeah, you mentioned the injuries, right? And we talked about, you know, not having a lot of depth um, on the team in general. But as, as far as receivers, uh, you know, if, if Knowles and Brooks um, are unable to get out there early on and you've got the suspension for the first half, then it's got we got to lean on Weber, uh, Warner, um, Taylor. Uh, and Gardner, right? And so they've all had playing time. They've all made catches. And so I think for the first half, I think we're comfortable with the receivers we have out there, right? We may lose some explosiveness uh, away from Knowles and Brooks and everything, but for the most part, you've got guys that know how to run the system. And so that's where you lean back on the quarterback and his leadership and saying, okay, put him in positions to be successful. But getting another top-tier running back uh, gives you an opportunity to pound the rock. And so uh, KU's going to come in. Now watch the OU game against KU. Uh, KU played lights out. They were electric, right? Um, top running back, freshman guy, running up the middle, strong, tough. And so for us, it's one of those situations where if we can slow down what they utilize the most um, and cut down their passing yards, I think we've got a chance to control the game and we can use the, the run game a little bit, play action pass, um, hit Daniel going down the middle on, on, a, on a post or a seam, and uh, I think we'll be okay. But like you said, you got to go out and actually do it. And so once again, we're not playing at home. Um, you're going to have the crowd against you, uh, and anything can go anybody's way. You just got to get started pretty quickly. Yeah, so you referenced Devin Neal. I mean, he's he's the running back, a freshman that's been really good uh, for Kansas, and that is one that stings a little bit for K-State. That was a pretty um, hotly contested recruitment between the two schools that K-State did not win out on. He has been pretty good. Jason Bean, the, the quarterback, you know, I mean, has had some moments at times. I think the thing that – has stood out to me in listening to Kleiman talk about him and just watching Kansas some this year. He, he can scramble. He's a quarterback that you're going to have to worry about him making some plays with his feet. Um, but, look, like in general, uh, Kansas should be very overmatched. Outside of, I guess, the one thing that does give you pause, you brought up that Oklahoma game. If you did watch that game, I mean, <laughs> I I don't know where exactly Oklahoma was. I don't think it was in Lawrence. Uh, for right. Two-thirds of that game. And it took some heroics from Caleb Williams really to win the thing anyway. But outside of that, I mean, every other game has been so, so bad. And I think that's what just leads me to believe that that was, I mean, it's not, I'm not saying anything earth shattering here, but pretty fluky what happened against Oklahoma because every other result we've had from Kansas this year would indicate that that is absolutely the exception to the rule, including this past week when Oklahoma State just went out and thumped them. And I, I believe Spencer Sanders was out of the game. Oklahoma State's starting quarterback in the first half, even it, it got that bad. So um, Kansas, outside of one one magical Saturday against Oklahoma in a game which they didn't <laughs> win, um, has been pretty, pretty rough this year. Yeah. No, like I said, it, it's the Governor's Cup. Um, this is a game that you play for all of all of your teammates from the state of Kansas. Um, no matter where you're from, you take it as serious as possible. Understand that it means a lot to a lot of people in the state of Kansas. And so because of that, I expect us to go out there and play as hard as ever. How much did it mean to you being a guy that came from Oklahoma? Because I, I hear that talked about a lot with Kleiman. He's always mentioned, 
yeah, you know, like all the guys from Georgia that we have, all the guys from Texas, <laughs> like they they get into it because they know how much it means to the Kansas guys. And K State has so many. The count that I saw earlier this week was K State with fifty three kids on the roster from Kansas, and Kansas had nineteen. So, oh wow, there's a drastic difference, and that's really been the case. And I think that's a big reason why K State has dominated the series as much as they have because the K State roster cares about the game more. But for you, being an out of state guy, like how long did it take to to really get behind well, the call? It was immediate, it was immediate, right? And so I, I commend the coaches for pushing that narrative, saying, "Hey, this is a game that you need to focus on." But if I think about it personally, when I look at the wide receiver room, I would think about the Brandon Clarks and the uh, Drew Thalmans and the Chris DeVos, Martez Wesleys. All those guys are from Kansas, um, and so uh, and. You know, that's something that was important to them. And even when we look at the quarterbacks, you know, um, Jeremy Milne, like is it everywhere you turn around, guys that you practice with, guys that you talk to all had uh, some type of Kansas background. And so for me, I knew when I went to go play Oklahoma, they would go hard for me. And so it's, it's only right that you do the same for them. And like I said, the coaches would always make you aware that this is a week that you need to prepare. Right. This is a, a game that we need to win. And so um, because of that, um, I took it just as serious as any other game, you know, and honestly, for me, every game was serious, right? Just because football is a violent sport, you know, you go out there not paying attention, get your head knocked off. <laughs> so, um, you know, but it was always a game that we got up pretty early on. We never was really uh, pushed by KU, but it was one of those games where um, it wasn't a stat stuffer, but uh, it was a game that you look forward to because you knew there was opportunity to score touchdowns. Snyder put more emphasis on this game than others because it felt like I always heard that kind of as a rumor, like he really did yeah. emphasize the Kansas game. Oh yeah. That was, that was important to him. Um, and so you knew coming come Kansas week, everybody's going to have some, some tight butts at practice. You're like, Oh God, here we go. You know, Everybody wants to make sure everything is perfect, but you know what, if you think about it, it's tradition. Um, you've got the alumni association, you got the fans, but for the most part it's recruiting, right? You've got to win in your own backyard. And so if you don't win that game, Good luck going to some of these schools trying to recruit some of these kids. They want to go where winners are. And so that was important to us to make sure that we continue that trend um, of winning against KU. Yeah, and I think to me that just comes back to, again, like the another one of the bigger picture points from this game and why it's important to, to not just win but win convincingly is for just that reason, to make yeah. sure in-state, like kids around the area, you, do, you don't need another predator coming in and taking prospects from you because right now it's been tough enough with – the Nebraska, Oklahoma States of the world coming in and cherry picking some guys that K-State's really been hot after. Iowa has been another school they've had a tough time recruiting against. You don't want Kansas to become a legitimate, credible threat around here. And I think that's an initiative of Lance Leipold has been to do more of the local recruiting. Les Miles never really seemed that interested in it. Um, even before that, I mean, Beatty and Weiss didn't seem to be as interested in it. Um is what K-State has been. And so that's that's obviously a huge part of, again, I mentioned the disparity in the amount of kids that you have on the roster. I just think that's such a huge part of it. And don't give them any breathing room as a program. Don't give them life. Do not make <laughs> a, a redo of the the Oklahoma game at all. And, and yep. Klein has done a great job of that through the first two tries. Like I said, that game two years ago, really impressive, 38-10. to 10, And then at 55-14, to 14, I believe, is the final last year. In a game where K-State was playing with Will Howard, they had the Phillip, Phillip Brooks going crazy um with the the three returns that he had so climbing has been i think as good as you possibly could have hoped through the first couple of kansas games yeah no there there's still things we need to work on and so regardless of who the p opponent is we need to go out there and continue to play penalty free you know convert on third downs win field position score points and so um you know we need to, we still need to put up a lot of points it's been a while since we've put up 40 or 50 points right so how explosive can we be that's something that 
you know, that I got accustomed to when I played, right? I remember uh, we were putting up 58, 60, 70 points. Um, and so where's that type of talent? We have it. We just got to put it all together. And so anxious to see um, whether it's this game or the next game, but I want to start seeing some points on the, on the scoreboard to where we can start separating ourselves. What was the best uh, Kansas memory that you have from your career? We played uh, at Kansas State, and I remember uh, we would run this 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 post on the outside, and the safety kept jumping way inside. And so I told Coach Peterson, Greg Peterson, that is, I said, put me on the inside and run me on a post flag. It was literally like drawing on a napkin. And I said, tell Quincy on the outside just to run a post and let me go first, and I'll cross over top. And he was like, that's not going to work. I said, trust me, Coach. And we ran it. And they flattened out the throw, and I scored a touchdown on it. And I went back, and he said, we're not doing that anymore, but good job. <laughs> <laughs> but for the most part, it was just one of those things where Kansas was always hard. To, they always were un unorthodox on defense. They would just kind of do their own thing a little bit. And so there was always like what you think should work never really always worked because they weren't in a position they were supposed to be in. And so it was just like, you know, talent level was just always different. We were just always that much better than KU. And it just felt odd because – their stands doesn't feel like a real stadium. Their band is right there in the front. It's just different. You know, it feels like you're at a, a, a strong high school game. Um, but once again, uh, it was a game that was a real game, it, real stats, uh, real win-loss column. And so for that part, we always took it seriously. Yeah, no, you, the, the results speak for themselves there. I mean, you guys took care of business uh, every, every possible opportunity that you had uh, during your career against Kansas. Yeah. All right, well – Again, if you're headed out to Lawrence, it's an 11 a.m. kickoff. K-State's going to have back-to-back -back 11 a.m. kickoff between Kansas and then West Virginia. Uh, so make sure you stock up on the 360 vodka from Holiday Distillery. Get ready with the screwdrivers, whatever it's going to be early in the morning, to make sure that uh, you're loud in Lawrence if you are headed to the game or if you're just hanging out, chilling at home. You certainly can uh, can do that as well. But really appreciate their support here on the podcast. Any final thoughts, Aaron, before we wrap it up? Seven sacks? Can we get seven? Yeah, <laughs> well, that's, that's what Felix said. He said that, that that's his goal, man. Felix is going for the seventh sack against Kansas. I would imagine they'll probably do something to scheme him out of the game, but then, you know, that frees up everybody else. So. What I want to see this game is the interception. I don't, I don't care who gets it. Uh, yes, let's get an interception and let's start that trend on defense. I dig it. In case they could use some more turnovers, that is yeah. something the defense has not been that great at this year. Forcing turnovers is a game where you can do it. Go out, dominate, take care of business. Do not let your stranglehold go in state, certainly. All right, that's going to wrap it up for us. Appreciate the work of Tucker Franklin behind the scenes. As always, for Aaron Lockett, I am John Kurtz. Thanks for listening to the Lock It Up with Kurtz podcast. We're back at you next week with KU Reaction and previewing West Virginia. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off.
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.